Welcome to Aw Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Mark David Christensen. And me, Kate Thompson. Woo! Woo! Yeah, baby. Yes! Baby, as Kate has said, (laughs) this is the final (laughs) episode of our season five. That's right, folks. We're putting a little cap to season five with this episode. Have we done this for five years? No. When was our... No. Okay. (laughs) I think we've done it for two. We haven't done this. Two years, maybe? Two. Uh, I feel like it's longer than two. It feels longer. I mean, I'd have to look up when was the... Feels like an eternity. Now you're making me like have to quickly pull up podcasts and see when did we publish the first episode. We don't even know our own podcast history. I don't don't follow us, do you? Yeah. No. (laughs) (laughs) Why would I follow us? Um, On Spotify, I do. I don't know if that, you know, it's like voting for yourself for eighth grade class president or something. May, May 2018. Sounds about right. Our first, yeah. well, the trailer, I guess that would have been the, our first episode dropped on July 25th, 2018. Wow. So there you go. Is that three years then? Yeah. Three years? Wow. Look at that. Three years, five seasons. Right? We know how to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, there you go. Well, we're going to put a cap to this one for the listeners, just so you know. And then we're going into a hiatus that will that will take us into 2022. We'll be back at the beginning yeah. of next year. Um, that being said, though, I'm going to probably repeat this later on, but um, we're going to stay as much active on the social media platforms for us. That includes um, Instagram and Twitter, but mostly just Instagram for the, for the most part. So you can post on there or send us DMs, we will respond. And if we receive a bulk of emails over our hiatus about any um, responses to any of the episodes that we've recorded, we, of course, will jump on the mic and respond to those emails. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Just to stay talking. Yeah. So even though we won't be recording new episodes to cover issues or anything that we regularly do, doesn't mean we won't love to hear from all of you out there during our hiatus. Yeah. That's it. That's what I just got to say. Um, stay in touch. <laughs> stay in touch, I guess. <laughs> have a neat summer. Yeah. Have a great summer. Stay in touch. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It's like a yearbook. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're wrapping up season five. Um, it feels like these last two seasons really blended in together because the pandemic started in the midst of one. So yeah, it's just how the world is working. We're not over it yet. We're still making our way out of the pandemic slowly. And, uh, you know, the world has changed forever, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Just another earth changing. Just another earth changing thing. Global Uh, pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We have a quick, oh boy, email. Emails. Um, We heard um, from our Great guest and also contributor to the Hellboy universe, writer Joshua Dysart. He had a great addition to uh, something we touched on. So let me get to this email um, that he just followed up with us. There's no heading because it's part of just a thread that we have with him. <laughs> we're lucky us. <laughs> That's a little brag. Um, I, That's very cool. <laughs> we're, we're cool, right? Uh, yeah. He says, after hearing the most recent episode and having Kate mention one of my intellectual heroes, James, Amazing Randy, legendary debunker in the tradition of Houdini, I got really excited and wanted to send my regards. So much of who I am today and my worldview 
has to do with Randy and other skeptics and anti-magical thinkers and science heroes who worked hard to clarify exactly what critical thought is and how it works in the world. There you go. That's yeah. cool. You got to watch that documentary about him, man. It's really cool. What Did you remember the title of it? I can't remember the title off the top of my head. An Honest Liar. An Honest Liar. Great. I'm going to check yeah. out The Honest Liar. Everybody else should. 2015. Well. Looks like it's free on Tubi right now. All right. I'll Get have, a little commercial action. Uh, yeah. Great. But then he continues to, to add even more to that. Um, he says, however, one thing about the spiritualism movement, everything your emailer said is 100% true in the last episode. Of course, it was all a grift. Table wrapping and other performative services fleeced thousands and thousands of people who went into spiritualism with authentic feelings of loss and who were suffering from personal pain. And Kate's comparison between spiritualists and Christian evangelical leaders in the United States is incredibly apt. There's a direct line from 19th century spiritualism to southern U.S., tent revivals, speaking in tongues, etc. He's just telling you, Kate, which I already knew. You're pretty fucking smart. Big brain. <laughs> uh, big brain on that, on that Kate. <laughs> but one little detail is always overlooked. One positive aspect of the spiritualism movement is that it gave a pr- platform for women, the most prolific leaders of the original spirit- spiritualist movement to gain a public voice and assume roles in politics and religion, both in Europe and the United States. Something I didn't That's know. That's such a great point. Yeah, I had no, like, I never really reflected on that. And I think it's such a, like, thank you, Joshua, for pointing it out, because now I want to, like, look that up and, you know, just read about more about that connection. Because, yeah, I guess I'd never, you hear about people, like, getting, kind of getting one pulled over on them or getting their money taken away or something like that. But like, yeah, this element of it, like, well, a woman using like (laughs) spiritualism to kind of get like feminist, uh, like feminist uh, movements or whatever across, uh, I think is really fascinating. It's really cool. Yeah. And it's a part, it just seems like a part of history that like a lot of things get dropped you know what i mean and we just yeah focus on one uh, aspect of it but then there's that history that gets definitely lost so that's yeah great. yeah it's very cool yeah uh, and he continues because original spiritualism was a liberated female-led movement the spirits from the other side often spoke to feminists and abolitionist issues is that the right word abolitionist did i say that right abolitionist abolitionist issues i just i plugged in abolitionist and i thought i might be wrong but you look it up. I saw you starting to type. If the spirit <laughs> said that humans shouldn't be kept as abolitionist, yeah. Right. Uh, if the spirit said that the humans shouldn't be kept as slaves and that women should have the right to vote and be educated, it wasn't the medium's fault. It was the strangely earth- earthly desires of the spirit world. I don't think you can separate the rise of spiritualism and also the rise of horror fiction, but that's another email from the rise of proto and early feminism. It almost it it's almost impossible to imagine one without the other. Yeah. So cool. I want to like take this college class, you know, <laughs> like I want <laughs> Joshua, you I want have, you to have like teach waiting. this. <laughs> yeah, really. It's uh, really, really cool. And yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's like, I'm going to be Googling after this, but 
I'm sure there's resources that talk about, you know, elaborate on this stuff, but totally. it's really fascinating. Highly fascinating. I agree. Uh, he s- continues. In fact, the very first woman to ever run for president of the United States was Victoria Woodhull, a well-known famous spiritualist of her era. And her running mate was the great Frederick Douglass, ex-slave, abolitionist, and fierce intellectual. So spiritualism was a double-edged sword. It absolutely exploited the worst of humanity's magical thinking and harmed people and led to a dangerous modern movement of religiosity. But women exploited that space because it was the only way for them to gain power and voice in a relentlessly male-dominated society. It is arguably what female, white female sentiment against slavery in the United, United States couldn't have gained any political organization without the safe spaces of seances, etc. This is so fascinating. I'm almost wish there was like, I don't, I want there to be like, there's probably a history book out there for us to read. There's like a cool, like narrative story or something or a comic book in here about this. Yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's totally cool. Um, ironically, it's the very same white, rich, liberal G- GOP esque. Magical goop. thinking goop. No, 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 goop. Like, oh, uh, like uh, Gwen, that's um, Gwyneth Paltrow's. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for correcting me quickly. Uh, <laughs> goop-esque magical thinking that led to the rise of the original anti-vaxxing sentiment right here in Santa Monica, California, and other yep. obscene and dangerous approaches to the world. Gwyneth Paltrow would absolutely be fleecing people through spiritualism if we were in 1858. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get that Gwen dig. Get that money. <laughs> oh, I love it. Anyway, just a fan mentioning something I thought you both might find interesting. You were 100% right. That is yeah. all very interesting. You were right. You were right. And he signs off with all love. Great. That's an awesome, what a wonderful email. And, yeah, uh, thank you so much. Yeah. I'm Googling immediately. Yeah, I now have to wait. There's going to be a bunch of dead space. because The connection like, to spiritualism and feminism and early horror and feminism. I guess like, you know, what like is Frankenstein considered the first like modern horror? I don't know. It's like early modern horror genre stuff. Yeah, like written by a woman. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got to look more into it. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean. I do hope that we can find more readings on that and like even yeah, books and stuff. That's uh, it, it. You're Googling and my, my brain is just churring on how fascinating that is. Yeah. Great. Thanks. I, I never. Yeah, I guess I never really thought about it. You know what is it makes me think of, too, is Millicent Patrick is this woman who was like the actual creator of the creature of the Black Lagoon. There's like a let me look up. There's like a book about her. About her. The Lady from the Black Lagoon, Hollywood Monsters, and the Lost Legacy of Millicent Patrick. And it just talks about how she created this character and was not given any credit for it. Yeah. So it's like just in the same vein of like female creators being behind a lot of stuff that kind of gets swept under the rug a little bit. Yeah. It's happened too much. Yeah. Great. Well, that's a lot of interesting and a lot of food for thought uh, uh, that he gave us in this one, uh, this email that's part of our uh, last episode of the of the year. So thank you, Joshua. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Keep making a great uh, segment of oh boy emails. Emails. I don't know if I have anything to say other than you know let's get to uh, putting let's get to ending this season five with this story. Um, the Bride of Hell. I'll hand it over to you, Kate, to sure. give us all the info, and then I'll read the foreword when we get to that. Hellboy, The Bride of Hell, written by Mike Mignola, illustrated by Richard Corbin, 
uh, colored by Dave Stewart, lettered by Clem Robbins, edited by Scott Alley. And this was published in December 2009, which he kind of talks about in the intro. If you, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Here's the intro yeah. that we got from the foreword is what Mignola had to, to say about this story. He says, between 1925 and 1951, The Great Weird Tales magazine published 93 stories by Seabury Quinn featuring occult detective Jules de Grandin. One of these, I'm pretty sure, featured an old chapel and the Knights of Templar. Since de Grandin almost never left Harrisonville, New Jersey, I'm not sure how that worked. I actually don't remember anything about the story, not even its title, but somehow it managed to inspire the Bride of Hell. Half of the story about Asmodeus, I hope that's how you pronounce that demon. Or Asmodeus? God's Asmodeus? I was reading it. Asmodeus. That's yeah. you, I, I trust you always. <laughs> <laughs> and King Solomon is an actual legend. The stuff about the Memlukes in the fall of Acre is real history, but headless crusader Hagen Douglas is all mine. So his Hagen Douglas and the, the saints of uh, Hagen, or the knights of Hagen, excuse me, the knights of Hagen, yeah. are definitely a creation of Mignola's. And he says The Bride of Hell was originally published as a one-issue comic in December 2009. Again, not too Christmassy. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, cool. So this story very much is just seems like him loving one other thing and wanting to uh, do it himself. And so his outlet is Hellboy and there. And then he gets Richard Corbin to do it. So, all right, Kate, let's do it. <laughs> the Bride of Hell. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. It's kind of starts out with a, like a, this reminded me of like old, like 80s Batman and 90s Batman comics where like, it would be like a newscaster talking mm-hmm. for a minute. But it, it's like a, a news anchor talking about a missing American tourist, Teresa Cipriano. She was uh, in France with friends and then she failed to show up to a club that they were going to go to so now it's like she there's like a search on for her the french government doesn't seem to be taking it seriously according to her father uh which they like kind of, i guess just for spice it's like uh her father's <laughs> joseph cipriano um an executive at zinco davis corporation little zinco connection oh little zinco connection eh yeah yeah interesting yeah i guess just to- it's like nice to kind of get us deeper into this world and incorporate like the existing kind of, you know, Zinco and like existing kind of companies that he's established are a thing in this universe. Yeah. And maybe sort of a pattern that the people that work for Zinco have association with the other world. That's true. Yeah. Uh, like the, uh, yeah. So it's very interesting. And we see that the BPRD is like looking into it. Um, they have little pins Throughout uh, Europe, I like this guy sipping his from his BPRD mug, sipping his coffee. <laughs> Very stern bureau member. I liked this a lot of like zooming into the one pin in northern France. And we like zoom in closer and closer and closer. The pin comes into greater detail and then is like mirrored by the image of this crescent moon with this almost like fisheye lens kind of point of view above a bunch of robed candle holding chanting guys you know with like your your typical virgin sacrifice looking kind of situation like a woman who's like kind of scantily robed in white (laughs) lying on this 
on this like flat stone. You know, yeah, the guys. I are dig you. I just want to. I I want to call out just on. Yeah. Add to. I think that is a great like visual. The 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 zoom in. It's very cinematic. Totally. You can totally see a director of a movie that has. If not already done it by then, definitely done this in a movie, like to a, to a diff some effect of like a map and a zoom in on this pin. But it's very cool and it's very. It's I love awesome. I love that. That, that fisheye lens thing is very, such a perfect touch. Just wanted yeah, to. Yeah, just like mirrors the like circular shape, like this kind of spherical shape of the, of the pin, which like I think is, you know, the way that it moves on the page, it's almost like t- not like how we would typically read it where it's like the first line of panels is like left to right and then go back to the left. Mm-hmm. It kind of brings you down in like a serpentine kind of a way where you go left to right and then you go down right a little bit. And it kind of, it's like this great like circling, you know. So what's that golden ratio shit? I bet it's like golden ratio kind of situation. You're probably right. I don't know that golden ratio very well. It's like enough. a swirl. I mean, if you Google it, you'll see it. It's, there's not much to it. It's just like a spiral shape basically is like mirrored in all of these like different paintings and oh right right you've talked about this before yeah yeah so it's like yeah that's what it made me think of this sort of spiraling into the like the focus of this panel which is like the woman in a but also in a lighter color she kind of sticks out too and her like exposed skin sticks out yeah but it's Um, good call that they it really feels like they draw your eye very perfectly, Corbin. And yeah. It's like almost an S that keeps, and it just keeps, it drives a story which starts off, I mean, this isn't a fault, it's just how Mignola decided to do it, but it's like, you're just getting a bunch of information, so it's a very dry beginning, and they just move it along, and I think with that panel placement, it keeps it moving, and it keeps the momentum going. Rather. It also shows you, I think, like, I think I, I almost like the beginning of it being a little, like, dry and, like, sort of staccato, like, straight, pretty straightforward shots. Because you're getting the sense that there is no urgency even, like, the BPRD is involved, but, like, you know, it's a guy sipping coffee and, like, nobody's, like, even watching the TV newscast mm-hmm. or anything like that. But, you know, I mean, we'll see, as we'll see in a, in a minute you know, Hellboy's on the case, so <laughs> they don't, you know, they're not too worried, I guess. Yeah. And as um, Teresa's here on the stone, she just says, please. And she kind of, you know, her eyes are, like, heavy. Is She looks like she's, like, totally, like, prostrate out, like, with, you know, just kind of laying there, not, like, moving. So I don't know. Who knows what's happening to her? Is it magic? Yeah, but we assume we'll immediately that she's almost hypnotized or yeah, or, or under like some that. sort of influence. That's what we assume yeah. off of just these first panels. Yeah. And you get these sort of like guys looming over her, this shot from below, you know, this panel point of view from uh, looking up at the robed figures. And then suddenly all of their candles go out like this. You get the impression that the wind is blowing, the like mist in the back is blowing. And as they're like chanting in, I guess Latin, the, or the ancient language that we've heard several times in Hellboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see one of the figures. I'm guessing the leader because he's got this gold medallion, or not medallion, like it's huge, like a huge yeah. gold necklace <laughs> with a figure that we'll meet pretty soon too. But like a depiction of the demon that they're conjuring. Prepare for me in my season, a living bride. 
And we see like Cowboy kind of like trudging out of the kind of brush and stuff mm-hmm. in the background. And then he steps on a bear trap that I guess they've set up around <laughs> so that they don't get disturbed. They see that uh, the robed figures are like, oh, Hellboy. So they know like the jig is up. But it's it's kind of too late. We have this demon flying down from the skies. I love this like depiction of of the demon emerging from the dark it's like almost kirby crackle-esque but it's more like this like modeled metal hammered looking kind of yeah texture that corbin does a lot uh yeah so like two little eyes kind of sticking out of this silhouetted figure uh it's really cool yeah. uh and that thing like swoops down hellboy rips the <laughs> he like opens the bear trap off of his leg and chucks it at the guy, the like, the I guess like head cult member or whatever, and it snaps over his head, like, you know, like his whole head is like. Yeah, he just puts it right on there. there. Yeah, snap. So that takes care of him. The shadow of that guy holding on to the bear trap that's like on stuck on his head, uh, like looms over Teresa as she continues just to say please. Hellboy's calling to her to wake up as this like enormous claw descends on him and the demon comes down, picks up Teresa and starts flying away with her. But Hellboy grabs onto Teresa and starts blasting. He's like shooting this thing in the chest. He gets hit by the demon's tail and fall like falls to the ground. But he's got Teresa. He picks her up. She's knocked out, but she's breathing. So Hellboy runs back into the kind of brambles and little like dead trees and stuff like this awesome like like i feel like richard corbin we've talked about his twigs before he loves a twig he loves to do twigs he a good solid twig it has like (laughs) such like dimension to me like i think like he does everything when i was watching this i was like this makes me think of claymation or something like it makes Uh, me feel like yeah yeah it feels like very everything's like got such like texture and feels like yeah it just feels tactile it feels like you could touch it and like but it's like not I w- not to call it like cartoony or something because it's still also like you know a demon like spitting up blood and bile and like <laughs> you know but it's like uh, it's just cool I just this, his style really works for all the stories that he gets totally I think that's why like Mignola definitely selects him probably for the ones he yeah right I mean I, I'm assuming he writes these and then goes this is definitely a Corbin <laughs> yeah we'll him. see if he's free <laughs> I wrote a bunch of twigs in it. I'll hand it off. Yeah, there's a little <laughs> part where he runs through the woods. Do you like that? It's like, hell yeah. I'm going to draw some little knobby twigs. But they look great. You know, and you feel how dry it is. Like, it fe- like all the cracking and, like, yeah, it's cool. Hellboy, like, runs in there. He turns around to see that the demon's not really following them. And he's like, oh, my God, he's not following me. He could easily follow me through, through this. Like, it's nothing. But, oh, maybe he's doesn't like this place like maybe it's hollowed ground or something like that we see like a kind of a you know dilapidated old church with um like carved graves and statues and stuff hellboy sees the one statue of the headless figure like a knight holding its own head (laughs) i'll be damned he says looking at it and i love you know these drawings are just so cool it's just like really moody and like now suddenly like very quiet but still eerie yeah and i think that textile um, stuff yeah. comes back into play with these statues it's very cool yeah yeah and everything's like overgrown with ivy and stuff and just it looks like it hasn't been touched by anyone for 
hundreds of years. And then suddenly, like a monk from behind Hellboy lets Hellboy know this is a statue of St. Hagen. Hellboy's like, oh, yeah, he, I know of him. He's a crusader who died in, what, 1300? And, you know, the monk knows exactly the date and, like, tells us the story how St. Hagen in, was outside the Holy Land city of Acre, uh, which was under siege by the Muslims, mom, uh, excuse me, Muslim Mamelukes? Mamelukes? I don't, yeah, Mamelukes? I have to look it up. To boy, oh, boy. Completely, 100%. Yeah. But these other warriors were, like, taking the city by siege. They captured Hagen, chopped his head off, and gave him back to the troops to, like, mm, dishearten them and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Be like, fuck you. But then God was like, hey, St. Hagen, why don't you just fight but with no head? So he, <laughs> they still have this battle where Hagen's, like, reanimated body is fighting and it looks horrifying. The other, the like other troops are like horrified, but it says the city still fell. Like the Christians lost Acre that day, and Hagen Douglas's body was lost when the walls fell. But forty-seven knights who witnessed the miracle of his resurrection survived and escaped. So those guys are the order of the Knights of Saint Hagen. Which I was like, I, I feel like I, we've heard St. Hagen referenced before. And I saw that there was like a mini, like a little run that was going to be Yeah, it got canceled. Yeah, it got canceled, yeah. The last Did we night, talk about that? We have talked about it. I think that they that mentioned... That must be what I was thinking. They mentioned Hagen, I think, in the Chapel of Moloch. I think that is sort of a mention of Hagen, of gotcha. Knights of Hagen in that. If I'm... I could be staying corrected, but I'm pretty sure. And yeah. then, yes... We've talked about this. So Scott Alley and Mignola were supposed to do a, a short series called The Last Night of Hagen. Mm. And that, of course, has been canceled yeah. due to Scott Alley. So I don't think we'll go any further. Um, I yeah. have my thoughts on that now that we're reading this story. And I've, I weirdly have never read this until this episode. So yeah. well, you, you can continue the story. We'll touch on yeah, that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <Later>. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, always something... <laughs> Always some weird shit going on with a lady. There's <laughs> always something interesting sometimes on these one-offs. <laughs> yeah, but Hellboy's like, oh, yeah, I've heard of those Knights of St. Hagen. They sort of had a, like, kill them all, ask questions later approach. Yeah, it's very much like like Inquisitors almost. Like, they're, you know. Yeah, like or a witch finder named Hood yeah, a little bit. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so they stayed in the Holy Land, and then Pope Clement sent them out to arrest and trial the... Uh, uh, for the arrest and trial of the Knights Templar, many of whom fought, be- who whom they had fought be- beside in the desert. So they're like fighting these other Christian knights that I guess like now the Pope wants to squash. Right. I don't know After the that, Templar history enough to even know how that worked. Like his his I guess like maybe his they, fiction winds into it. I just don't know it well enough. Yeah, I don't know about their like separation from the church or whatever. Me either. But from what I can, you know, from what you can like kind of context clues, it's like, well, I guess they mm, were becoming too powerful or something, and the Pope was like, squash it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. They just or they weren't taking orders. They were just like they've they've gone rogue. I guess I would imagine <laughs> it's something like that. Yeah. If they're yeah. Or he's trying to squash them to remove them from the history. You know what I mean? A little controversy. We're like, get rid of them so we can act like we never knew about them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's very it's fascinating because the most I know is that Mignola is like, oh, I don't want to play with the Templars. I'll I'll create my own knights. 
Right, because there's like he doesn't want people to be like, actually, they did this and that. Yeah, which he's definitely spoken about. Yeah, I'm like trying to see whatever. I I'm not gonna read this whole Wikipedia page right now, but <laughs> um, I should have done it earlier. But I'm sure they like you know the they probably did something the Pope didn't like. You know, they did the Pope's bidding or the Church's bidding for a while, and then got too powerful or wouldn't listen to what the Pope wanted to do and. So the Pope was like, okay, other knights, go kill them. And then, yeah, these knights of St. Hagen. After that, most did continue as inquisitors, but not all. And we see some, like, people burning at the stake. And the knights of St. Hagen are, like, all dressed in black with the with a white cross. They just look scary. Like, they look like yeah. the evil, the evil team that the, like, <laughs> you know how, like, in... Like in like Big Green or like Mighty Ducks or something. They look like the bad guys, you know? Mm-hmm. They yeah. have the black jerseys on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I see what you're saying. Uh, pretty, yeah. yeah, typical villains of... Yeah. Uh, they look like, like cops or something. Villains. Yeah, cops. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then Monk continues on. He's like, uh, one of them, William Fitzor- uh, Fitzroy, had seen enough blood, so he swears... Yeah, he, like, renounces violence, and a few of the knights join him here, but this demon followed them from the desert and snatched them up one by one over years. Like, these terrible years, like, when a knight would stray away from this building, the demon would, like, kill that guy. And just drops them. I like the idea. Yeah. Just drops them them on the... Yeah, <laughs> on the chapel roof, which is why the roof is like completely like caved in now, I guess. <laughs> and Hellboy's like, yeah, so he's still hanging around. The monk says, I do not think it will be satisfied till no trace of this place remains. Uh, maybe then it too will finally die. And the monk's basically like, hey, she could stay here like nobody's going to hurt her while she's here because this is holy ground. If you want to go find the demon and finish him off. You know, he's weak during the day um, and all that. And we kind of go to the next page. We see it's like sun streaming down through the trees and Hellboy's following a trail of blood to a little kind of like mm, hollow in the woods where he suspects the demon should be sleeping. Yes. Hellboy goes in. We see like bones kind of scattered around like the skull of a woman with her flesh sort of like receding from her mouth. Ugh. You know, like rotting and you get like, you can like smell this place. Like it smells like cold and damp and uh, like rotting flesh. Yeah. The colors that really that uh, David Stewart uses for these like rotting flesh really gives you that smell and that like, oh. Yeah. Just all I the love bacteria. that he too. I love that Stewart like also kind of mimics the like pocked sort of like hammered metal looking style of. Like, even the colors kind of do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, Corbin's lines kind of do that, and Stuart just compliments that really well. I agree. With his, like, brush strokes and stuff. It's it's just awesome. This is a great page. Hellboy's kind of sn- looking around, and then he hears the demon. What did you think to find, half-breed? So, like, of course, <laughs> like every other demon, he, like, read the newspaper about Hellboy and, like, knows all about him. You know what I am? No goblin, imp, or lesser spirit. Asmodeus. <laughs> and he's like this withered looking lion. Also looks like he's rotting. He's like blue with these sunken eyes, yellow glowing eyes. 
basically like a, a lion, but with like human torso and bat wings. Yeah. And we're going to get a better look at him too immediately. But it's yeah. Like, yeah. He's, he's seen better days for sure. <laughs> we see like a flashback to the, the nights kind of like church or whatever this building was, I guess. Church. Yeah. yeah. I think it's like a temple, a temple, temple. or a holy ground church. Temple, yeah. yeah. And the monk is there still with uh, holding on to a cross and is talking to the sleeping body of Teresa, letting her know about the story of how King Solomon built his temple. He, which I guess all of this is like, you know, true to the Bible. Right. Or at least, so he, I mean, from what we know that there was some of this, it seems like off of the foreword, Mignola, like, again, I don't know these bi- biblical stories well enough to say what was part of it it's what but it seems like yeah. he took some of it half of it and then expanded it for his own needs in his own yeah. want of his own world so. yeah yeah but it's cool i i had not really i didn't remember this from school but i don't know <laughs> i <laughs> i like that you think that in just a public school they're teaching this no i had i went to catholic school for oh, 12 right, years you went to catholic school yeah <laughs> <laughs> but so we had a religion class like every single year you had to take religion. Right. I had seminary in the mornings in high school and I did not listen. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. I mean, by the time you're in high school, it's just unless unless you're like going to become, you know, a, a religion teacher or like a nun. Yeah. It's like I, I just I mean, the, uh, like some of it, you know, it's interesting in like an Indiana Jones kind of a way. Like we're in like a <laughs> like I used to get out of. The same out of the school's library, I would get like books about like Greek myths and like anything that resembled like that kind of shit. Like that's why I'm surprised. I I was like, oh, he like captured a demon and brought him here, and he's like a sick ass looking demon. I guess it just <laughs> they didn't like teach you. I don't know. I feel like they didn't focus on stories like this as much. Yeah, it was like all about saints and stuff like this. Like this feels Old Testamenty to me. Very much so, it feels like. Yeah. I agree with you there. I mean, I could be wrong. You know, if I'm wrong, just let me know. But, hey, I'm hey. wrong all the time. Also, so who cares? You. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> That's what I love about I mean, I've already said this a hundred times in other episodes, but like, I'm not so worried about knowing the reference well that Mignola is pulling. Yeah. I'm more focused on like, in his pages, what's the myth that he's making? And what's how he's creating? It, yeah. Yeah. How does it like build up the story that he's doing? Right. So, yeah, like you kind of get this like, you know, like long winded monk. It makes sense. He would be telling <laughs> yeah. a story to even someone's asleep, just like my religion teacher is talking to me. <laughs> Same. Here. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's saying like, <laughs> do you hear the story about how King Solomon built a temple? Uh, he like said not to use any iron tools. He heard about this uh, creature called the Shamir. It had the power to pl- split and shape stone. So he conjured up demons, asked where to find Shamir. They didn't know, but they said that their king, Asmodeus, would know. So one of King Solomon's greatest warriors goes and tricks Asmodeus, has Asmodeus get drunk and, like, puts these shackles on him that have the name of God on every chain or, you know, on every link of the chain. He brings Asmodeus to Solomon and Asmodeus says this cool-ass shit, uh, Suleiman. Ben Duad, <laughs> do you seek to conquer the whole world? Would you have my lands as well as your own? Do you not know that soon enough you will need no more land than it takes to make a single grave? Just saying Ooh, cool shit like yeah. that. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's great. So King Solomon's like, King Solomon's like, shut up, where's Shamir? <laughs> and he, he, now it kind of cuts back to a depleted looking 
Asmodeus talking to Hellboy, who's just like listening. Yeah. You know, just listening in this cave. <laughs> he seems to be like leaning against a wall. And Asmodeus is like, uh, I would not have told him that or any of my other secrets, but he had a magic ring that gave him power over me. One day he was careless and I got it from him. I took him in my hand and hurled him into the desert. Awesome. Like, yeah. So he threw Sol- uh, Solomon, which didn't kill King Solomon. It just like cast him out of his kingdom for three years. And Asmodeus ran the kingdom during that time. But he seems to hate all of the bureaucracy that comes with it. Yeah. All of the like, you know, uh, like we see like uh, Solomon's subjects and like, you know, his court or whatever. Coming up to Asmodeus being like, majesty, laws, taxes, sign this. <laughs> when Solomon finally returned for his throne, I was happy to give it up. So he's like, you know, he doesn't want to rule like that. Yeah, I love the big him just holding his head and a groan. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, God, I hate work. <laughs> um, so when Solomon came back, he was like, fine, take your throne. And he flew out into the desert. Asmodeus flew out into the desert. He met like a nomadic desert people. And he was like, I liked them a lot. They like talked to their animals and their language. They built me a cool house. I had a bunch <laughs> of awesome wives. And they weren't slaves, okay? I enjoy the company of women, not slaves, you understand. These were my wives. And they seem to be looking at him, like, adoringly. Yeah, they love him. They yeah. love that hot bod of his and his lion head. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> yeah. It's like Beauty and the Beast kind of situation. <laughs> they're all furries. There you um, go. <laughs> I was contented. Um, but then, yeah, Knights of Pagan of St. Hagen show up and they're like, uh, fuck you. They start saying like holy words to him, cast, you know, cast him out. And when he goes back to his house, he sees that they totally fucked his wives up. They're like decapitated and stabbed and all dead. And it's horrible. And then this like very sad looking, you know, he's basically like a zombie, uh, in, you know, in the present day, you know, in 1985 when he's talking to Hellboy. My wives, it took years to find those men again. And when I did, I made them pay blood for blood. And he's got this huge gaping hole with like broken ribs from where Hellboy shot him. <laughs> and he's like holding up his hands like in like agony or frustration or something. Yeah, it's a great panel. Yeah. And the like lips are falling away from his teeth. And yeah, he just looks like totally oh, like what's the word I'm looking for? You know what I mean? He's like just looks like he's starving. He looks so... Yeah, he's dilapidated. I don't know if dilapidated is the word, but that's he just he looks rotting. He looks you can like, like see every rib, rotting. you know, yes. and his yeah, like once like his like once broad shoulders are now like sunken in and yeah, like he looks like a a you know like a when a really muscly like bodybuilder gets older. Or yes, it's like know? you could see where their toneness was, but it's right, no right. there. the strength yeah has really gone out. <laughs> yeah, and Hubble's just like that's fair, I guess. Or would have been if you'd gone back into the desert when you were done or hell or wherever, instead of hanging around here for 700 years, getting idiots like these guys last night to steal more women for you. A lot of women. And there's like a fucking little field of skulls under here. (laughs) You know, dozens of skulls are down here at least. But then, and I love this fucking image of his back. Like, yes. Yeah. Asmonius's back as he like draws a little um, kind of sigil you know, symbol onto one of the skulls. He's like, yeah, I'm not stealing that woman, okay? Teresa volunteered to be my wife. She's got my tattoo. (laughs) Um, Did you see that? And he, like, carves it into a skull and shows Hellboy, you know, carves it with his little, like, lion claw. But, yeah, this image of his back with the, like, the, like, kind of folded up back claws and his, like, 
Yeah, it's like I love how, hooey, but that's not the word I'm looking for, man. It'll come to me in the middle of the night. I love how low the wings sit on his back. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's cool. Like, Ew, that's creepy. <laughs> he just, yeah, he looks beat. There's like a little image of, you know, Asmodeus's image on, we see like a close-up of Teresa's like, like thigh or mm-hmm. hip. And he's like, oh, son of a... Teresa wakes up. The monk's like, hey... Have no fear, daughter. You're safe in the house of the Lord. She fucking kicks the cross out of his hand. <laughs> Asmodeus, my king, my husband, is a thousand times better than your stupid god, old man. He will bust you up. He'll squash you like a bug. And then the monk is like, yeah, well, this is a sanctuary and no child of God has anything to fear in this place. And then the monk like vanishes and, he sa- and we hear someone saying, but beware for likewise no thing of evil shall enter into the this place and then that speech bubble is coming from a fucking zombie i'm assuming that this monk is this knight and it's yeah like you know what i mean like that's yeah. his like we've been talking to his spirit form of him and now yeah. his knight form before he is now emerging i guess yeah yeah he's like waking up and holds his sword and then we see hellboy kind of fighting against Asmodeus, who's just like ugh he also looks pretty zombified. Yeah, he seems to be, I think, rotting this entire time. Yeah. In, yeah. In a month, like, he might have, when he went to pick up, what's her name? Oh, my God. Teresa. Uh, Teresa. He might have been in, like, more better shape. Yeah. Slowly, since not maybe taking her and gaining power from her, he's just slowly rotted away. <laughs> yeah. And Hellboy's fucking him up, too. And he's just old. He's old yeah. as hell. <laughs> yep. And yeah, this I mean, this close up of the night is so cool. It's just like looks great. He's got like kind of cobwebs and his sword is like rusted and yeah. fall like kind of falling apart, it looks like. And I like that his face isn't like it's like it looks like time is just sort of warped where it's like dead skin in the bones yeah. sits. Yeah. It's, it's ugh, grotesque. It's awesome. It's such a cool <laughs> picture. And then Hellboy just beating the shit out of Osmodius, punching his fucking jaw off of his head. And then a couple of nights we see like closing in on Teresa. Hellboy's I think like, it's just the one. It's just his shadow, though. Oh, his shadow. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. That's what I think. Yeah. I think you are exactly right. It just gives that cool, really creepy effect. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, I guess it like creates this kind of visual of like see, seeming like she's surrounded, but it is the one night. And she's crying and screaming like it's horrible. Hellboy runs out of that, you know, the little like hole where Asmodeus was lying low. (laughs) But when he gets to the temple, it's too late. Teresa's already been fucking run through with this sword. (laughs) And then the knight turns to him, commend her to the pit to service her master. And then it crumbles into dust all over Teresa's body. She's fucking dead. There's like, you know night dust in her eye (laughs) and we hear forever and it cuts back to Asmodeus's dead form now he's like completely skeletal yeah with like just little remnants of fur uh where his like mane was and he's he's like his dead claws like clutching one of the skulls of his former wives so yeah that's the end (laughs) that's the end of this sort of a bummer of a story (laughs) <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> Teresa doesn't make it she also like wanted to be yeah she like voluntarily went to Asmodeus yeah 
But yeah, the knights like killed her out of some, I guess like out of some holy mission that they've like retained even in death. But yeah, yeah it seems like, um, it seems like Asmodeus, you know, he was taking wives voluntarily and she was coming to him. It's a very weird, complicated like story because I'm like, it feels like Hellboy's just dropped in between this very complicated conflict that he, in the end, it's like he can't take either side. <laughs> like, he just, even though he does beat Asmodeus to dust, pretty much. I mean, I think his thought was that Asmodeus was still up to no good and was for like sure. hurting people. But it seems like he kind of wasn't. Like, I believe Asmodeus in this story. Like, it seems like he was. You know, he was like, yeah, that lady's my girlfriend. We're going to get married. <laughs> yeah, she she wanted to do this. She, yeah, she, on her own free will, decided to, to sacrifice herself. It's very interesting. But not That's, even, I guess, is that it? Is that like, is it that the wives are sacrificed or do they... Are these like the skulls of women over like hundreds or thousands of years? That's a good point. It could be that. It could be th exactly that. I don't know. I don't know how he's teaching. Like, yeah. is this just like because Asmodeus lives for, you know, lives for a long, long time and the and human women only live a human lifespan. So 100% could be. These are just his wives throughout the years. That's a great point. Or, he, you know, he has when he's living in this house in the desert, he has, you know, multiple, multiple wives. It's got like half a dozen ladies dancing around. Yeah. So yeah, maybe, you know, feels like the Knights of Hagen maybe are the bad guys in this story to me. Yeah, I agree. This is that thing where I'm like, with this story, it's, it, 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 it feels a little bit like, I'm going to equate it to one of our first stories of this season that we covered, which was the Crooked Man, which yeah. felt like Crooked Man also was Hellboy just stumbling into a story, right? And by mm -hmm. the end, it had a sort of like a very clear like, semi-connection to his bigger story where the guy, like the monster sort of knew what Hellboy's destiny was sort of with before yeah. Hellboy knew. Yeah. This feels like that, but it doesn't go that far. Like it leaves us sort of just feeling, it feels like Hellboy just stumbled in on something that he was like, well, fuck. I don't. Right. Right. That sucks. Oh, I didn't help. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Like he thought he was rescuing this this girl. And, yeah, you know, I'm sure Zinko was like she's been kidnapped and uh, probably you know, and it, it looks like she's going to be sacrificed. For it looks sure. like yeah, uh, you know, just to look at it from you know from the side, it's like oh, a demon's gonna carry her away. The assumption is like oh, she doesn't want to do this, but she's like hey, that's my husband. He rolls. He's better than your god. Yeah, but does that mean that she deserves to fucking just get it through with that sword? No, so no, she should have just been with Asmodeus, I think. <laughs> or not. If Asmodeus goes, she should have been like, well, I guess I, my purpose has moved, changed. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know what she would do with her life if Asmodeus died. True. And she, I don't know. And I don't think his, I don't think his like diminished state is from not having like power from his wives i think it's like he's just old as fuck that makes sense uh, totally i mean i i definitely could be 100 percent wrong and probably am it's just a, I, I like okay i guess where my where i'm like bumping is like i think this is visually richard corbin's killing it and yeah, i like oh his God, hellboy yeah. i like a lot of the panels but the story leaves me going why did they want to do more with the 
this hate these hate these knights like what were they like i'm now like very curious like what this scott alley mignola like storyline for the knights the last night of hagen was because i'm like yeah i don't know if they were good and if they were gonna like were they gonna do yeah a they hood? seem bad <laughs> yeah were they gonna do a hood thing and be like we're gonna show how they help because yeah. like this is one of those things where like hellboy like why i've liked hellboy we've talked about this i think in the past is Hellboy seems to be more humanity based, not like, oh, there's good and evil. There's the demon side and then there's the Christian side. He's more just like, hey, humanity has its. Uh, I side with humanity trying to figure this shit out, I guess. So this is like a weird story where I'm like, wait, am I supposed to side with this these Christian knights? I'm confused. <laughs> I don't want to. I mean, it. I personally don't. I don't want to either. <laughs> yeah. I think it, yeah, I think it seems like. I think they've seemed pretty clearly bad to me. Same here. So I'm very curious. They're showing up and just killing wives and burning down houses and shit. Yeah, they are bad to me, 100%. I also don't, I want to know, like, in that backstory, I was very, I guess, okay, they drove him out with magic. They drove the demon out, but instead of just, like, freeing the women, they just straight up just massacred them. Which is just like, yeah, they're bad. Yeah. They're bad. I don't, so that's why I'm like, why was there another story the last night of last night of St. Hagen going to happen? When we were just going to watch that character fucking butcher people for like five issues. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it I has, don't know. The wiki has like the rundown of what all of the, like it says for the last night of St. Hagen part one, a wily Polish spy pursued by a group of Nazi enforcers flees through the small town of Torin. The year is 1939, the beginning of the German occupation, and he carries important information for the resistance. But a bullet, a tomb, and a ghost, perhaps even God, have their own plans for the spy, and they will involve the mystical crusader knight St. Hagen. So yeah, it looks like it's a Polish spy is like maybe guided by St. Hagen or something. All right, well. Yeah, possessed by the will of St. Hagen, a Polish spy struggles to find his way in a growing World War II conflict. Returning to the scene of his apparent death, the spy learns the, of the mystical crusader knight St. Hagen and the plans he seems to have for the spy. Yeah, part four. <laughs> part four was never solicited before the series was canceled. Therefore, a publisher summary was never released. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I only, I mean, yeah, we can, it could be, they, I mean, Mignola, if you pick up like the Outerverse stuff that he's currently, they're releasing, they yeah. love World War II and like bringing in like these mystical witches and stuff and like creating like a, an, a fictional world where, you know, World War II had witches and magic in them. So that, yeah. that sounds about right, but yeah, uh, based on what we just read and the d- quick synopsis yeah I, I, i'm not gonna miss it uh right right i'm being it's a little, like are I'm these guys little, so good yeah yeah but but like back on to what we're looking at i really want to focus on i think this is a fine enough like short story i don't think yeah. it's, i don't think it's one of my absolute favorites of our like hellboy like side stories outside of his main storyline i think the highlight is some of the writing like dialogue writing like you pointed out yeah. Um, and Richard Corbin's art. I think those. I mean, just the art in this is fucking sick as hell. Like, yes. he just does such a cool job. I don't know. I think the demon looks so fucking cool. Yeah. All the, like, different. When once we start seeing him in more and more light, and his rotting version is very fucking cool. 
And even yeah. in that shadow, the first time he shows up is fucking badass. Any favorite panels or, or moments that you want to point out? I think the page where he like first appears behind Hellboy and you see like that first close up of him. Mm-hmm. Um, like under the tree. I think it looks so fucking cool. I like uh, that I like that panel specifically because it was on my list of like my favorites because I yeah. love Hellboy's expression of like Ugh. Right. <laughs> The, and the panel of his back, like where you see the like folded bat wings and his like scapular bones are like poking through his skin. Like, <laughs> you know, he's like real sinewy and like dehydrated looking. He's got a fucking bullet hole that goes all the way through him. So there's like separated ribs. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. I think that just looks really cool. Oh, and that close up of the night. Just anything where like Corbin gets to really like make a l- bunch of little detailed kind of like scratch marks you know like all yeah. these little tiny ki- tiny little dots that he uses to create texture and like show light i'm with you there like that's his that's his sweet spot yeah and you've you've pretty much hit on all of them that are like the highlights for me as well i yeah. i particularly do like the close-up of like the statue of saint hagen with him oh, holding yeah. his own head i think that's a great detail that close-up with the ivy and stuff too yeah, solid work all around. And then I do like, I just like the humor. I like I like the humor of like, we're in the middle of a, like a big biblical story about this demon throwing a king out of its king out and taking over. And I love the humor of him being like, I don't like running this place. <laughs> I love yeah, that. Right. I think that's just a- It's very silly, funny. yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a fun touch, great levity in this. He literally stuff. makes like a groan. He's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like a groan that. sound effect. Yeah, that's so good because it's a very do- dreadful like sort of story. <laughs> like yeah, like, uh, for a one-off, I'm just left with just like sort of just again a little bit bummed out. <laughs> the Hellboy just had to walk stumble yeah, into bleak. this. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, he really, this would be one where I'm like, uh, he's going to like shake this off with a couple of drinks because this is. <laughs> yeah, a couple of stiff drinks after this. Yeah, because after you said, like, like you said, it's like he didn't fucking help. He didn't. <laughs> yeah. He killed it, like, you know, as is his way sometimes, like, he killed one of his own kind and in his, killing a fantastical creature, a demon. And it turns out the demon was, like, not so bad. Yeah, not the absolute worst. I mean, this is probably yeah. this is one of those ones that could chalk up when demons bring up and get mad at him for killing, as you stated, others. It's like, yeah, this would yeah. go towards. Yeah, you kind of, you kind of. This one was kind of a fuck up for all it for all. It just parties always makes involved. me think of like Christianity throughout history taking other people's gods and making them into demons. Yeah, it just always makes me think of that. Where it's just like, these are false idols. Don't worship them. They're they're demons, actually. So if you worship them, you're going to hell. And that's, a great, yeah. that's a great representation I can give this look at this through. It's like these Knights of St. Hagen just took this, this god that happened to be this creature that Solomon dealt with. And he just was living a cozy life away, not harming anyone, just had a bunch of wives. And they just decided to roll in and be like, we don't agree with you. We think you're, we, they labeled him a demon. No one else did. Yeah. Like I was trying to, th- what did, what did they call him? Um, I'm trying to see what this monk 
calls him. Yeah, he conjured up demons, asked them where to find Shamir. They didn't know, but said that their king, Asmodeus, would know. Yeah, so they never are like self-proclaimed demons. They're just like creatures existing. They bring him before Solomon. Uh, yeah, he just says that he's like the king of another land, but he never says specifically says like hell or something like that. Right. It's it's the others. It's the, the these knights and these kings that say I worship God and you're bad. It's very. I think you're right on like labeling a little bit of like that. Christianity is sort of just taking things and saying and declaring them evil or bad. And then everybody just goes, okay, we agree. (laughs) Just anything other than, you know, God or Jesus for for old Catholics. Yeah. Although people accuse Catholics of being like polytheistic because they're, they pray to saints. Christians think that's like demonic. That's the end part here too. Like they, they, these saints claim they're like these higher powers, but they're just straight up going to kill this innocent woman. Basically. Yeah. So she just wants to to bang this uh lion guy, this lion bodybuilder. Yeah, come on, just let her do her thing. Just let her do her thing. <laughs> Fucking not your business. Not your business. Not any of your business. She wants to wear like a white Elvira dress and fuck her demon boyfriend. Husband. <laughs> and kick a cross out of a monk's hand. It's kind of awesome actually. Yeah. That part's pretty great. Like, yeah. Fuck this shit. <laughs> yeah. My husband's better than your god. Just great. Let's um before our final thoughts, let's just talk <laughs> about the um the cover. I think it's a cool Mignola color for the Bride of Hell. Yeah. Um, very much his style. Very vibrant color, especially because it's a classical coloring for the Hellboy logo. Um, we have appears like almost this dim- like a very tall monk. Like one of the monks doing like at the beginning one of the, of the like story. cult leader guys, yeah. Yeah, standing very tall behind Hellboy, who's holding Teresa in his arms, and we have these. I love these like the lines along with the yeah from smoke. the smoke from the candles blowing out. Yeah, I love that one. It's awesome. It's creating very cool. Or cover. I guess I could still be illuminated. Either way, illumination. Just the use of the illumination on smoke from the fire. Yeah. Just on those straight leading straight lines. Is very cool. I like so all nice. the lines that have, that he's creating on this cover. Yeah, because they never actually like the wick doesn't like intersect with the like flame at mm-hmm. any point. It's like just like slightly separated from it. I think that's really cool visual touch, and it's interesting to like intersect over the figures over Hellboy and holding Teresa and stuff. Yeah, it's I, like feels very windy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, very. There's like windy. a lot of movement in this one. It's very cool. And I like how the monk has that, like, the um, the big medallion fucking thing of yeah. Asmodeus. It's very cool. Yeah. I would, I'm going to, I have one, I have one other, like, small criticism. I think the Bride of Hell is sort of a bad title for this story. Because I don't, I don't, I don't think it really encompasses the story that we read, is all. It, it yeah. feels a little, like, quick and almost like, it feels like a rush title that I'm like, huh, oh, the Bride of Hell. And by the end, I'm like, I don't know why this is called the Bride of Hell. That's my only takeaway from that. <laughs> I can see that, yeah. Like, it feels almost more right, like the Bride of Osmodius, or just like, you know, something that would have more been more like in tune with the story for this title. Because it's like, he doesn't, because he's never really, a, like, you think, they, like we've already discussed, like Solomon and these other, like, knights consider this guy a demon, but we never really, there's never really a hell in this. They never go to hell. Yeah, well, I guess it's taken from, like, Jew- a lot of Jewish folklore. Like, right. I'm looking up, so, like, Asmodeus, 
in Jewish legend, the king of demons, according to the apocryphal book of Tobit, Ismodius, smitten with love for Sarah, the daughter of Raguel, Rajwell, Jesus, killed her seven successive husbands on their wedding nights. So, yeah, he's like a bad guy in like Jewish folklore. Right. But I think Mignola hasn't painted him as a bad a bad guy in his lore. Yeah, he seem, you know, he's taking willing wives and stuff like that. And he's so. not, yeah, he's kind of just, he's the one who's duped by Solomon's warrior and like tricked and shackled and taken in. I guess the power, you know, I guess these, there is like magic that works against him. So I guess you could construe that he's like bad or evil based on that, where it's like the name of God on the chains right. contain him or whatever. So uh, I don't know. But I don't know if that's good or evil or just that's right. Just, just opposing, magic. Po- yeah. Magic. You know opposing. what I watched last night, dude? I watched what? 13 Ghosts. That Have you ever seen so that? silly and crazy. Yeah. It's with what's his I name, I had a right? fun time um, watching it. It has a monk in it. Um, what's Tony the, Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub. What's the other guy from Screams in it? Matthew Lillard. Yeah, Matthew Lillard. You know, I I, I like Matthew Lillard. Like, I, I don't yeah, know I why. Don't, it's because I, I just like grew him. up watching him in movies, so. And what were your takeaways from 13 Ghosts? You know, it's like, there's some cool shit in it, but it's like, so much of it makes so little sense. I, you know, I don't want much from the, the from the movie, you know? Sure. But it is a movie. I remember, it, like, you need to make some sense out of, like, we're capturing ghosts to, like, do this this weird house with, like, yeah, we're going to line them I up mean, and then have power. I love <laughs> all of the, like, on paper, it's like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. I think, like, the execution of some of it was, like, a little goofy. But, I like, I think the jokes are all pretty bad yeah from what i remember i haven't seen it but yeah it had been i had seen it but yeah same deal it was like a long long time since i had seen it i remember being scared of it when i first watched it so i must have been like eighth grade or something (laughs) yeah i think i was scared of it a bit too when i first yeah because it has like you know people are like mutilated in it the ghosts Mm -hmm. are like fucked up i guess i was like they don't explain why Cause like okay, so spoiler alert for Thirteen Ghosts, I guess. <laughs> Tony Shalhoub's wife, in the beginning of the movie, is like burned alive in a fire, mm-hmm. and she is one of the thirteen ghosts that have been captured by Tony Shalhoub's uncle, who's ghost hunting. He's trying to capture all of these ghosts, who like fit the description of ghosts in this uh, zodiac. Yes, yeah, like an evil demonic zodiac. Yeah. Yeah. So like the wife. The dead wife's ghost like fits the description of like the wilted lover or some shit like that. And like, so yeah, like they don't explain that why there are so many different types of ghosts until like way late into the movie. (laughs) I feel like you could have just told us like there doesn't have to be like a mystery about it because we already know that there's a fucking house full of ghosts. Yeah, it's called 13 Ghosts for fuck's sake. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, why? You know, just tell us because I'm like, why the whole movie you have like these fucking really evil ghosts who like are were murderers in life, and then you have Tony Shalhoub's wife who's just a burn victim, <laughs> and it's like, why is this lady here? Like she didn't do shit, you know? Yeah. Anyway, that that was my my big takeaway. You know, it was really fun to watch. Jess and I were like screaming at it, <laughs> but it, in like it's like a it's like a you know fun factor is like five stars, but as a movie, is it good? No, no, it's not. I mean, I can't say that's my recommendation. I don't know how this read got you to to that connection, but that's very funny. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck was I talking about that for? Wow, I really just... It's just because I was watching it last night. 
Oh, the protection spells, the spells. Okay, oh, so right. how th- there's like a chain on Asmodeus with the word of God, and this whole house in 13 Ghosts oh, is covered right. with spells that like make it so that the ghost can't just walk through every single wall of the house. Right. But the walls are also all glass, so you can see them. Yeah, make it creepy. It's just like a haunted house. Yeah, it just feels like somebody took a haunted house first and then like filled in the blanks. Oh, for sure. You know? Set pieces. That's all they wanted yeah. for that show. Yeah. Well, fun. 13 Ghosts, everybody check it out along with the I mean, you don't have to check it. <laughs> you know what I did also think of? I saw this trailer for a movie called Mad God, and it's like a stop motion movie that this dude Phil Tippett I guess took like 30 years to make this fucking movie Mm -hmm. and I guess it's gonna come out this year I have to like look up more about it but the trailer is fucking insane and Corbin's like art made me think of that too oh cool that's probably because it's like the weight of everything and like the volume of everything in Corbin's drawings like it feels so 3D but not in like an not in like a re- like quote realistic way. It's like mm-hmm. its own like stylized like kind of cartoon figures, but with like real textures almost. And that makes me think of stop motion and claymation. I think that's what what I'm associating it with. I love that. But I haven't seen this movie yet, but the trailer is fucking bonkers, and I really am curious about it. Great. I'll I check think that if trailer out. if they made like if they made like a Hellboy movie, like I think we've talked about this, like Kubo and the Two Strings, kind of a shit. Like I would love that. Like a dark, you know, how sick would that be? How cool? They, I mean, they never, ever, ever will. But like, how cool would it be? I mean, yeah, I'm never gonna say Spider never. Man. Spider Man did so good. Like you know, um, Sony's most recent. Uh, oh my god, fucking Into the Spider Verse. Mm-hmm. That was so good, and and it was animated. It had to be animated. I think like Hellboy really would like thrive in a stop motion kind of a world. I agree. It needs stop motion, but it needs like a I, yeah. I just think Hellboy needs like a like magic, like suspend quality. your disbelief already, so that you're not like I don't know. Yeah, higher quality. Yeah, animation. The, yeah. It, it, and the script just needs to be whatever. It needs to be somebody who writes movies. Well, yeah. This is my fantasy of what a Hellboy, a, an, an amazing Hellboy movie <laughs> would look like. Not that Del Toros aren't amazing. I do like Del Toros. I think they're like almost there with like that level of like practical effects and stuff but yeah 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 i want that shit to be i want it to be stop motion man how cool would that be <laughs> i mean i would <laughs> fucking love it yeah uh, I, I'm, I'm with you 100 percent there <laughs> I, yeah all right well before we i don't have any suggestions so any final any final thoughts or anything on this i my takeaway is it was a it was a good read for its visuals um it left me bummed and going like okay i'll probably never i I don't need to return to the bride of hell anytime soon i could certainly page through this volume this like collected volume and look at the art oh hell yeah the art is great. you know yeah yeah there's a lot of cool visuals to definitely take i don't know if these other than you know this other canceled story i'm i'm I don't know if these these Knights of Hagen are going to return ever, but yeah. they don't really have an effect for me anyway, or a want for them. A yeah, desire. I'm not like I'm not like jonesing to see because it's like I guess like Knights Templar stuff. Like I don't really gravitate towards that either. But me either. You know, as much as like I would for like the Last Crusade or something like like it just makes me think of Indiana Jones, all of this like Inquisition shit. Yes, very much so. That yeah, <laughs> but yeah. That's that's what I got for the Bride of Hell. <laughs> it was all right. I, was, I, I, liked, I definitely I liked, liked reading it. I had fun reading it. Yeah, it's not a bad read. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. 
Um, the art is just so sick and like carries it so hard. Yeah, it's doing all the heavy lifting, the art. Yeah. Which is great. I just feel bad for Hellboy having just to be like, fuck, I didn't help out. It's at like, all. whoops. Yeah. Whoopsies. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that being said, hey, listeners, followers, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the Bride of Hell. Fill us in on your Templar uh, education. Knowledge. Yeah. All the knowledge that we didn't have. Fill us in. Why not? <laughs> uh, but we'd love to hear all your thoughts um, on anything we discussed in this episode as well as any prior episode. Um, you can email us at awcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. And remember, we're going into hiatus until on the, the new year, which is 2022. But again, if we get enough emails from you, we'll definitely hop on the mics to respond to those because we love hearing from you and we love talking and reading your emails. Yeah. So don't be disparaged if you're listening to this and it's a while after we've published it, we'd still like to hear from you. Um, and again, that is at awcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. And then one last thing I just wanted to touch on real quick is this is a little quick segment of more Mignola. Woo! And we're just going to quickly just talk about this thing that um, was announced quite a while ago is that there is a podcast like studio series called Echoverse. And Mike Mignola is creating a, a show for it. I'm, I'm assuming this is a narrative. It's not like a podcast like we do where we just talk about this shit and don't do any research. Um, this is actually very, very <laughs> planned out. Probably, I'm assuming, going to be production value to it. But this is what it is about. And this also, Ian um, Widener, who's a regular listener, uh, as well as in emailer he sent us a bit of information about it as well so but this is from the article that was announced by mignola is adapting and producing a series titled grim death in bill the electrocuted criminal which is based on the novel he wrote with thomas zinoski the story is about a supernatural vigilante who along with his butler pym and nearly dead sidekick bill rights wrongs and brings evildoers to justice in service of the angel of death so there you go. Seems like another supernatural thing that Mignola is bringing to the world. Another verse. I mean, he's got the Hellboy verse. He's got the Outer verse. Now he's doing this, which is part of the Echo verse. He's a big verse guy, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's all I have really for that uh, to say. I mean, it's something I'll definitely probably will will check out and give it a listen when it comes to fruition. I know it says that Amber Benson is involved too, who played Tara on Buffy. But I think they're uh, doing their own thing, right? I think who played, yeah. she's doing adapting her book for that. Oh, she's Echo doing her own separate shit. The Witches of Echo Park. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Okay. So they're just they're just they're big names that are coming to this new uh, this new cool. uh, studio Echoverse. Cool, cool. So, but again, I, I've never heard of the Grim Death and, and Bill the Electrocuted Criminal until this. If anybody has any has read it, let us know what you thought of it. Because yeah. I know nothing about it. <laughs> um, looks <laughs> like it's, yeah, and it will be Mike Mignola and um, Thomas Zanowski that write it and produced by Pete Donaldson. So there you go. That's something more Mignola for us all to look forward to in the future. There you go. Check it out. Hell folks. yeah. Subscribe to that podcast when you can. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, again, as I said, I don't have any suggestions. I just want to say, I just suggest. Enjoy while we're down. Enjoy yourself. Continue to follow us while we're in hiatus on Instagram at Aw Crap a Hellboy Podcast and Twitter Aw Crap Hellboy. 
We will um, try to keep you updated on what we and Kate are doing during hiatus on there as well, because um, we're going to be doing some creative stuff on our own during hiatus. So you might see a little splash of that there. As well as if anything Mignola or Hellboy comes down during the next um, several months in our hiatus, we'll probably post quick thoughts on there on there about that. Yeah. Just to yeah. sort of stay up to date as much as we possibly can without um, recording uh, the show. But please feel free to comment on there, DM there. We'll, we'll try our darnest to respond to you. But if you want your thoughts on the show or if you just want to like email us enough that we are forced to record during hiatus, you can do so by sending us emails at awcrap, a hellboy podcast at gmail.com. Said that several times. <laughs> but that is it for our final episode of season five of Aw Crap, a Hellboy podcast. We'll, we'll be down until 2022. <laughs> See you next year, y'all. See you next year. Enjoy your summer. <laughs> yeah. Keep in touch. Uh, yeah, please keep in touch. But um, until then, thank you again for listening. And never forget <laughs> that we love you. Never forget it. Hey, it's Mia. Hey, it's Allie. And we host the Rom-Com Review Podcast, P.S. I Love Rom-Coms. Each week, we'll have incredible guests come and discuss a new rom-com, grand gestures, meet-cutes, and of course, that elusive chemistry. Mia, what are you doing holding that giant boombox over your head? I'm hoping to win over listeners with this grand gesture. Take us back! Find a new episode every week and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Campfire Media. Wow, you're uh, still holding that boombox. Yeah, I've got great upper body strength. Thanks, CrossFit. P.S.